Welcome to On Purpose, a podcast designed for all women that want to live this one messy, hard, fun, challenging, and exciting life we've been given on purpose and with intention. It is our heartfelt belief that women do that better when we're together, better when we are connected, better when we learn from each other. Each episode, you'll be hearing from Elizabeth on a variety of ways that we can be more intentional with our lives. We hope to inspire you and encourage you as we engage together on purpose. Here's your host, Elizabeth Pearson. Hi there, it's me, Elizabeth, with another episode of On Purpose. I am so happy that y'all are listening today. Whether you're a brand new or a regular fan, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. I always love hearing from our listeners. Just this week, I was eating lunch at a restaurant and a sweet lady came up to me and introduced herself. And she told me that she lives in North Carolina, but learned of our podcast from her daughter that's here in Georgia. And so we love it when people share the podcast with friends and family. And another thing that we really love is when our listeners take two seconds to give us a five-star rating on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. So thank you to those that have already done that. It really does help us grow. Today's episode is another first of a two-part series. Now, it won't be a long one. We're going to quickly talk about habits and simply lay the foundation of what habits are, why they are so important, and how science proves three simple steps to creating new ones. I've been reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, and I've been listening to some Mel Robbins. And since I'm kind of the Cliff Note speaker, I just wanted to share some of my thoughts so far. And by the way, if you are local, our September exchange will take a deeper look into the importance of habits. So please go ahead and mark your calendar on September 14th for that. If you've listened for any amount of time, you probably know that I don't love change. Now, before you go giving me a hard time and start thinking, Elizabeth, that's so naive of you, everything changes. Matter of fact, the only constant is change. I understand that. I'm just being honest with you. And the kind of change that I'm talking about, the kind of change that I don't love is the loss of anything I perceive to be good or good for me. The kind of change that I do like, though, is the addition to my life of what is good. And that kind of change usually doesn't happen overnight. Rather, what we know is that little changes compound daily over time. And in the same way, a habit is any behavior or action you engage in regularly that compounds daily over time. So let's start with what is a habit? Mel describes a habit as something that you do so often that it's automatic. That's it. There's no drama. There's no struggle. There's no feelings involved in it. She says a habit is something you simply do. You don't have to deliberate about it. So let's think about some examples that are habits, something you do automatically. Brushing your teeth before bed, putting on your seatbelt, drinking coffee or tea first thing in the morning, saying God bless you maybe when someone sneezes, or for many women, crossing your legs when you sneeze. I crossed my legs for 20 years before having a bladder reconstruction, and I still cross my legs out of habit. So Basically, a habit can be anything that is repeated enough times to become automatic. Some habits are created intentionally, while other habits are formed over time out of default. And habits can be good for us, they can be bad for us, or some habits can just be weird. 
I automatically salt my watermelon. Now, my family thinks that is so weird, but it's just something I do. And I'm pretty sure we all have weird or quirky habits. So now that we understand what a habit is, something you do so often that it becomes automatic, let's talk about why habits are important. And first of all, like I mentioned earlier, habits remove all the drama. I want to give you a personal example. I have never loved getting out of bed, especially not early. And I would hit my alarm and I would toss and I would turn and I would bemoan the fact that I need to get up. And it usually entails me groaning and mumbling about having to get out of my comfy bed. I've always been this way, as long as I can remember. And when all my kids were little and it would be the weekend and I would hear them up early in the morning calling for me, I literally used to sing, and you can ask David and he can vouch for it. I would sing, I don't want to get up. I'm a mom of eight kids. And if I get up right now, I'll have to see what they did. Remember that from Toys R Us? That was my own version. But do you see the drama I'm talking about just having to get out of bed? But David? Nope, not at all. His alarm goes off at five o'clock every morning. This September, we will have been married for 25 years. And for 25 years, his alarm goes off at five o'clock. He leaves for work at six o'clock, has a team huddle at 630, and he sees his first patient at 7 a.m. It's automatic for him. He's done it for so long, it is not a struggle. There's no drama with him getting out of bed. It's just simply something he does. Even if it's difficult at the beginning, over time, it becomes easy. It just becomes something you do. You don't wait till you feel like doing it. Gretchen Rubin says, we should start doing whatever it is now to generate the feelings we want. You may or may not like picking up that book on your nightstand, but once you read a few pages, you might find the interest kicking in. Sometimes feelings follow actions, not the other way around. She says, act the way you want to feel. I started working out at a gym at the start of this year, and getting up at 6.20 was not easy for me. It truly was a struggle. I didn't sleep well at night because I was afraid I was going to oversleep, and so then by the time it did go off, I didn't want to get up. I did not feel like it. But now, because over time, those tiny actions, those tiny habits, it's just what I do. Even on the weekends, I find myself naturally waking up at that time, and I don't battle it like I used to. The drama is gone, and it's just something I automatically do. And crazy enough, it's something I now actually look forward to. Another reason that habits are important is that as you practice them, they start to change your identity. You start to see yourself differently. And habits start out as something you do, but over time, they actually change who you are, who you believe yourself to be. So let me give you an example. About five years ago, my friend Aaron asked me to train for and run a half marathon. I want to make sure you heard me correctly. She asked me to train for and run a half marathon. Why in the world she asked me, I have no idea. I was not a runner. Not only that, after giving birth to eight children with extremely large heads, I had zero bladder control. Zero. And I don't just mean when I coughed or sneeze. I mean when I move my lower half of my body at all, hence the bladder reconstruction. But this was pre-surgery. And you see, that is not conducive to running. Nevertheless, for some inexplainable reason, I said yes. And those first few weeks of our training schedule were brutal. 
I was sore all of the time. I had blisters on my feet. I was chafed from my previously mentioned issues, and I did not look forward to the training. However, over time, something shifted in me. The practice habit of running each morning changed how I saw myself, who I believed myself to be. I actually started to see myself as a runner. And even though we were not running long distances yet and we had not achieved our ultimate goal of running a half marathon, I began to believe I was a runner. I actually no longer felt awkward going into a running store. I didn't feel like anyone was going to be like, what in the world are you doing in here? Are you shopping for someone else? And I even found myself laughing at the TikToks on inside jokes about runners. Again, that's what Mel describes as the power of habit. As you start to practice the habit, it begins to change your identity, who you believe yourself to be. Another reason habits are so important is because they make your life so much easier. When you have habits that support you and your goals and the kind of person you want to become, your life gets easier. It's true. Good habits can make your life better and make you better at life. So now that we understand what habits are and we understand why they're important, as we move on, I want you to be thinking about what changes you want to see in your life. What habits would support you and your goals and the person you want to become? What do you want to establish through habit so it becomes second nature to you? Do you want to get out of bed in the morning without a struggle? Maybe pray every morning before you start your day. What is something you want to do? Whether you voiced it before or not, think about it. You want a good morning routine? You want to stop snacking in the afternoon? Want to be more organized? Achieve a physical goal? Reduce stress? Maybe make yourself a priority? Get outside for a daily walk? Eat a little healthier? Make better financial choices? Be more organized? Stop interrupting others when they are talking? Stop getting defensive when others offer you constructive criticism? What is it for you? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. What new habit would help you be a better version of yourself? What new habit do you want to establish. You thinking? Whatever it is, I want you to be thinking about that. Because no matter what it is, it's the repetitive tiny behavior of habits that will create the changes you're looking to make. It's consistent, manageable actions that are repeated again and again and again that create our habits. It's not willpower. It's not feeling all the feels and having all the emotions. It's not how smart you are. It's not desire that will make the changes you want in your life. You have to have habits in place. And listen, it's not just me saying this. It's not just Mel. It's not just James Clear. There's actual science from decades of research to back this up. And science shows that there are only three steps needed to form a new habit. The three steps that make habits stick in your brain, in your body that will become automatic. And although I think we tend to overthink and complicate it, it really is this simple. So we're going to go through these three steps. Step number one, it's called the cue or the trigger, or some call it a signal. So we're going to use all those words. Whatever resonates for you, step number one, the cue, the trigger, or the signal. This is just the thing that it is signaling. 
that it's time to do the new behavior. So when you get proactive about creating cues like post-it notes, visual cues, surrounding yourself with the right people, it prompts the new behavior. So when you see the post-it note, it triggers you to do the thing you want to do automatically. And the bottom line is there's no trigger, there will be no habit. Otherwise, you're relying on yourself to remember or you're relying on yourself to feel like it. You need a cue to help you get started. So for me personally, I don't love drinking water. I know I don't mind a LaCroix or a Propel, but plain water does not get me excited. I don't feel like drinking it. I don't remember to go to the sink and get more water to drink. So my personal cue to drink more water is filling up my Stanley every single morning. And I take a drink every time I pass by it or I see that Stanley filled with water. The Stanley is my cue or my signal, and it triggers me to remember to drink more water and to do it right away. Step two is the new behavior. So first of all, you have to identify the new behavior you want to create. So in my case, it would be drinking more water. I've taken care of step one, which is the cue, and step two is actually drinking the water. It's following through with what that cue is telling me to do. I can't just look at the Stanley and go, oh yeah, I actually have to follow through with a new behavior. Another example is when my niece texted me recently and was asking for help potty training her son. His current behavior was peeing in his pants, and she wanted the new behavior to be going in the potty instead. So step two for her would be getting her son to go potty on the toilet. That's the new behavior. Saying potty to her son and having him get to the potty and actually go. That's the new behavior. Now, to begin with, she might have to physically carry him there or walk him there or sit him down on the potty at first. And then getting him to go is step two. So step three. It's essential because this is what makes the new habit become automatic and locked into your brain. Our bodies are wired for a dopamine high or endorphin hit or some type of reward. And in order for a behavior to repeat itself, we have to train ourselves by treating the behavior immediately with a reward. That's step three. When you're training your puppy to sit or your young child to go potty, you have to reward them within seconds or it won't stick. But for adults, according to the science, when we perform the new behavior, we need to reward ourselves within two minutes. It doesn't have to be in a matter of seconds, just within two minutes, because we are associating the cue with an immediate reward, and the reward is critical. So for a puppy, it might be a milk bone or a treat, and for a toddler, it might be an M&M or a Skittle, and you have to determine what your reward will be, and don't skip the reward. It is so important we carry out all three steps. The science shows that is what will make the habit stick. Every book out there on habits, it doesn't matter which one it is, lets you know that all three parts are imperative. The cue, the new behavior, and the reward. So now that we understand those three steps, another thing that I think is important and fascinating to understand is that there are six different types of cues or signals. And I didn't realize this, but it really makes so much sense. And I want to go through them quickly. And as we do, I want you to be thinking about whatever thing or habit you want to change and then see if any of these signals impact your behavior. So the six different types of cues or signals that can trigger certain habits. 
The first one is sound. You hear a certain noise and it triggers you to do something. You hear your alarm, it triggers you to get up. You hear the Netflix sound, you settle in on the couch and watch TV. You hear the national anthem, you automatically stand up and put your hand on your heart. That's one type of cue. The second type of cue is time of day. Think about it. The morning creates different habits than the nighttime does. The morning creates habits you naturally do at that time, whether it's having coffee or exercising or letting your dog out or walking your dog or whatever it might be for you. And the evening creates different habits, right? Making dinner, for some having a glass of wine, taking a walk after dinner. The time of day is a really, really, really big trigger. Third, just like real estate, The third cue is location, location, location. It's true. It's very easy to maintain habits when you are in your own home, on your own schedule. But when you travel to someone else's home or when you're out of your own routine, within days you can feel off, right? Why is that? Because different locations trigger different cues. Location matters. The fourth one, it's emotional. And this is another big one, especially for women. When we get hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or stressed, those can be emotional triggers that create habits. Maybe you snap at your children, or you emotionally eat, or maybe you completely withdraw. Whatever it might be, emotions can trigger all kinds of habits. And being aware of these cues is so important. The next cue or the next trigger, the next signal, is other people. And this one's pretty obvious. I don't have to tell you that who you hang out with is important. Your circle matters. But when it comes to habits, I want you to think about just how much this matters. Now, this isn't rocket science. This isn't a newsflash. But we become like those we hang around. Those we hang around can cue us to engage in either good habits or bad habits because our circle of influence impacts our behavior. The last type of cue, things in your environment. Things you put or use that are in your environment, like post-it notes that I mentioned earlier. A simple post-it note can trigger a good behavior. My daughter leaves her lights on all the time, and a simple post-it note can trigger her to turn that light off when she leaves the room or in the hallway or down the stairs, or in the bathroom, wherever she's been, the lights are on. But a simple post-it note can trigger her to turn off the lights. So we can use all kinds of things in our environment to cue behavior patterns. Maybe it's a note next to your mirror to remind you of something that you want to do. Maybe it's a positive affirmation. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's to text somebody. Or a picture on your dash in your car can cue a certain behavior. These are all types of environmental triggers. So whatever the cue signals you, whatever habit it is you thought about earlier that you want to create, I want you to remember that these three important points, in order to create a new behavior, we have to understand this. So whatever it is that you said or you thought in your mind, yeah, I really want to create that habit to become the better version of myself. Remember this, number one, You're going to have to force yourself to do what you don't want to do. It's actions before feelings to begin with. Number two, 
You're going to have to repeat that action over and over and over and over and over again. John Maxwell says that small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. And he's right. And third, when you have a bad day, you have to practice self-compassion. The biggest mistake people make when it comes to habits is number one, they're waiting around till they feel like it. And two, when they make one mistake or have one bad day, they chunk all their positive progress out the window and go back to the way they used to do things. So number three is when you slip up, you forgive yourself. Show yourself compassion and say, you know what, that's okay. I'll get back on track tomorrow. And the research shows it is super helpful to recognize the different ways cues can trigger us into certain behaviors so that we can be aware of them and preemptively and proactively be anticipating the cues ahead of time. But if we slip up, say it's okay. We'll get back on track tomorrow. No matter whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to act upon it. And lastly, one more thing I want to address before we wrap up, because I don't want to mislead anyone. I've always been taught that it takes 21 days or three weeks to form a habit. While that may be true for some people, creating certain habits, that is not always the case. Research now shows that it takes anywhere from 18 to 254 days to form a habit, depending on what it is. And by forming a habit, I mean doing it automatically without thinking, without any resistance. And that's important when it comes to offering yourself compassion, because in 254 days, we are bound to slip up. And when we do, to say, it's okay, we'll get back on track tomorrow, it's a journey. And science shows that missing a day or two or three does not ruin or destroy the habit formation process. So don't beat yourself up. When you're working on forming and creating this new habit, show yourself some grace. Show yourself some compassion. I hope you learned something new about habits and why they're important. I hope you were able to think about what tiny changes you want to implement to create better habits in your life, ones that work for you instead of against you. And I hope going forward, anytime you want to step towards a new you, you will lock in new habits by determining the cue, recognizing the new behavior, and follow it up by giving yourself a reward. And because this podcast is called On Purpose, we hope your habits will be ones created out of intention instead of inadvertently generated, as many of our habits tend to be. Thank you for tuning in today. And as always, we hope you will join us next time On Purpose for part two of our series as we specifically dive into health and fitness habits. Have a great day, friends.